0: Chapter 17 of Hypatia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Harris. Hypatia by Charles Kingsley. Chapter 17 A Stray Gleam. The last blue headland of Sardinia was fading fast on the northwest horizon, and a steady breeze bore before it innumerable ships the wrecks of Araclion's armament, plunging and tossing impatiently in their desperate homeward race toward the coast of Africa. Far and wide, under a sky of cloudless blue, the white sails glittered on the glittering sea, as gaily now, above their loads of shame and disappointment, terror and pain, as when but one short month before they bore with them only wild hopes and gallant daring. Who can calculate the sum of misery in that hapless flight? And yet it was but one, and that one of the least known and most trivial of the tragedies of that age of woe, one petty death-spasm among the unnumbered throes which were shaking to dissolution the Babylon of the West. Her time had come. Even as St. John beheld her in his vision, by agony after agony, she was rotting to her well-earned doom. Tyrannizing it luxuriously over all nations, she had sat upon the mystic beast, building her power on the brute animal appetites of her dupes and slaves. But she had duped herself even more than them. She was finding out by bitter lessons that it was to the beast and not to her that her vassal kings of the earth had been giving their power and strength, and the ferocity and lust which she had pampered so cunningly in them had become her curse and her destruction drunk with the blood of the saints blinded by her own conceit and jealousy to the fact that she had been crushing and extirpating out of her empire for centuries past all which was noble purifying regenerative divine she sat impotent and doting the prey of every fresh adventurer the slave of her own slaves and the kings of the earth who had sinned with her hated the harlot and made her desolate and naked and devoured her flesh and burned her with fire For God had put into their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree and to give their kingdom to the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Everywhere sensuality, division, hatred, treachery, cruelty, uncertainty, terror. The vials of God's wrath poured out. Where was to be the end of it all? Asked every man of his neighbor, generation after generation, and received for answer only, It is better to die than to live and yet in one ship out of that sad fleet there was peace peace amid shame and terror amid the groans of the wounded and the sighs of the starving amid all but blank despair the great triremes and quinqueremes rushed onward past the lagging transports careless in the mad race for safety that they were leaving the greater number of their comrades defenceless in the rear of the flight But from one little fishing craft alone, no base entreaties, no bitter execrations greeted the passing flash and roll of their mighty oars. One after another, day by day, they came rushing up out of the northern offering, each like a huge hundred-footed dragon, panting and quivering as with terror at every loud pulse of its oars, hurling the wild water right and left with the mighty share of its beak, while from the bows some gorgon or chimera, elephant or boar, stared out with brazen eyes toward the coast of Africa, as if it too, like the human beings which it carried, was dead to every care but that of dastard flight. Past they rushed, one after another, and off the poop some shouting voice chilled all hearts for a moment, with the fearful news that the Emperor's Neapolitan fleet was in full chase, And the soldiers on board that little vessel looked silently and steadfastly into the silent steadfast face of the old prefect. And Victoria saw him shudder, and turn his eyes away, and stood up among the rough fighting men like a goddess, and cried aloud that the Lord would protect his own. And they believed her, and were still, till many days and many ships were passed, and the little fishing craft, outstripped even by the transports and merchantmen, as it strained and crawled along before its single square sail, was left alone upon the sea. And where was Raphael Aben Ezra? And he was sitting with Brand's head between his knees at the door of a temporary awning in the vessel's stern, which shielded the wounded men from sun and spray, and as he sat he could hear from within the tent temp- the gentle voices of Victoria and her brother, as they tended the sick like ministering angels or read to them of divine hope and comfort, in which his homeless heart felt that he had no share. As I live I would change places now with any one of those poor mangled ruffians to have that voice speaking such words to me, and to believe them. And he went on perusing the manuscript which he held in his hand. Well, he sighed to himself after a while, At least it is the most complimentary not to say hopeful view of our destinies, with which I have met since I threw away my curse's belief that the seed of David was fated to conquer the whole earth, and set up a second Roman empire at Jerusalem, only worse than the present one, in that the devils of superstition and bigotry would be added to those of tyranny and rapine. A hand was laid on his shoulder, and a voice asked, "'And what may this so hopeful view be?' End of section 25, chapter 17, A Stray Gleam. Recording by Mike Harris.